Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Good day, powerful citizen of planet Earth. What a privilege to be with you today. I hope that wherever you are, you're doing fantastic. We have an epic episode for you today. We have David Robinson on, and we are talking about human optimization, fitness, strength, and he shares at the end a wild story um, that he has never shared before. It is very fascinating. It is of the uh, UFO nature. Um, It's really extraordinary, but throughout this episode, we cover a lot of topics. We go over quite a few things. We talk about um, the Greek word eudaimonia, blue zones, like planetary blue zones, um, the most ideal places to live on the earth, Uh, the five best places where people live the longest and are the healthiest. And again, those are the blue zones, mindset, sleep, nutrition, recovery. Uh, We talk about consistency being the key uh, tips for health and food. We talk about sleep haps, sleep hacks. Uh, We talk about um, a lot of other stuff. And then we get into, at the end, his absolutely extraordinary UFO story. So I know you're going to love this episode. If you like it, please share it on your Facebook. Take a screenshot on Instagram. Thank you so much for those of you who are sharing and tagging me. I can see you. I appreciate you. That's what helped get the uh, podcast out and these incredible guests to share their message. I want to thank my podcast sponsor, and partner the Himalaya podcast app. Are you listening to this episode on Himalaya? If you are, congratulations because you're already using the best new podcast app out there. If you're not, you're missing out. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya is designed with you in mind and has a ton of cool features like curated shareable playlists and collections made for you, along with personalized recommendations to help you discover new content. And the best part is it's super easy to use. It's free. It's definitely my favorite listening app, and I'm sure it'll be yours too. Uh, So do yourself a favor, download the Himalaya app today, and be sure to uh, follow the Mastermind Body and Spirit show when you're over there. Um, Recently on a run, I was listening to Darren Brown and Russell Brand. Um, If you haven't seen Daryl... Darren Brown's work. It's really extraordinary in the realm of consciousness and magic and just how people think. And Russell Brand is doing some pretty great work too. So that is that. And I want to thank all of my patrons for supporting the show. Thank you so much, Laura Gibson, who tossed a buck in the bucket. It really helps. It goes an extraordinary long way, I can assure you. If you go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair, toss a buck in the bucket. It helps immensely. Uh, But the best thing you can do to support the show is do one kind act today. Do something nice for somebody else wherever you are in the world. And that's the best way to support the show. Um, If you guys are interested in coaching, speaking, or training, hit me up at matt at zenathlete.com. I have personalized programs for individuals, for corporations, for trainings, everything from literally spirituality, consciousness, flow state, peak performance, sales, marketing. Uh, My background is really diverse and I love working on uh, with people with projects that are helping other people. So if you're 
you're doing something to help other people, please let me know if you're interested in leveling up and you want to figure out how to make your passion, your income, and your way of life and to redefine your reality, uh, definitely hit me up as well. So you can go to the coaching form, uh, mattbelair.com forward slash coaching, or hit me up, Matt at Zen Athlete. Let me know if you want me to speak to your group, your organization, do a training, whatever the case is. I love to work with you guys and it's always great to just see what the listeners in the world are doing. So uh, don't hesitate to hit me up. So that's about it. Uh, Let's just come to a state of peace and coherence before we get into this episode. So wherever you are, just stop what you're doing. Taking a deep breath in through your nose. Connecting to your breath and to the present moment and setting the intention to come to peace. Empowerment. Full of energy. Letting that breath out slowly. Filling every cell, every muscle, and every fiber of your being with peace, empowerment, and ready to take on the day in this incredible episode with David Robinson. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is making waves in the fitness industry with his deep passion for nutrition, exercise, and wellness. He is an elite Spartan obstacle course racer and the CEO and founder of GS Nation. GS Nation is a fitness and lifestyle brand focusing on helping its members more efficiently reach their personal goals. His philosophy derives from his tagline, Grind On, where incorporating hard work and dedication to your daily grind yields positive results in all aspects of one's life. He is dedicated to building community and is constantly pushing himself as well as others to realize their maximum potential. Welcome to the show, David Robinson. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm great, man. How are you doing? Doing fantastic. Doing fantastic. Yeah, I appreciate uh, you having me on. Yeah, dude. I'm happy to have you here. We got connected through the man, Mark England, uh, from Procabulary. He's always, you know, connecting dots here and there. Knows a lot of great people. Um, you and him are from the home, uh, same hometown, right? We are. The man, the myth, the legend. Yeah, we're from uh, Richmond, Virginia. Um, so we call it RVA here in, in town so um big big fan of this place I, I get to travel a fair amount but i don't think i'll ever permanently leave richmond it's a beautiful town awesome man yeah i'm gonna have to come visit you boys one day um you know you're doing some incredible work we've had a discussion before jumping on the podcast i love what you're doing your philosophy so why don't you give uh the people who don't know your little introduction about who you are your background and what you've been up to Yeah, man. Uh, So I, like I said, grew up here in Richmond and um, was very athletic growing up, but I didn't really have a clear path of what exactly I wanted to do. Knew I wanted to get into business, knew I liked educating. Um, I was actually, when I went to to college, I was going to be a a high school history teacher. I kind of had a a falling out with history. Um, We were in my senior capstone class uh, and we... (laughs) We were doing Christopher Columbus again, right? And so, you know, 1492, Sail the Ocean Blue. I've learned and known about this since I was in first grade, right? Spent a whole, like, two weeks on Christopher Columbus, and I had this massive burnout, freak out on, oh, my God, I don't care about this anymore. Um, (laughs) So I, you know, within, like, a month before I graduated, totally changed up my plan, stopped applying for master's programs, and ended up uh, having no idea what I wanted to do. So I played soccer my whole life in college. I, my random roommate freshman year was a uh, like four time national junior powerlifting champion. So I got into powerlifting in college, got pretty good at that. And 
had a meet uh, shortly thereafter, uh, my little history freak out. So that meet was in Richmond, you know, my hometown, and I ended up uh, doing pretty well, but I, I met the one of the head strength and conditioning coaches at the University of Richmond there at the meet. So powerlifting meets are 12 hour, you know, 10, 12 hour events. We had a long time to shoot the shit. And eventually he was like, dude, what are you doing after school? Uh, and I told him, hey, coincidentally enough, I have no idea. Um, you know, I was a history major, and a political science minor. So I, I don't really have a, a great, great plan other than go teach history, which I'm not going to do anymore. Um, so he brought me on board as a strength and conditioning intern at U, at U of R. So got into, that was my, my uh, first like real world introduction to conditioning, strength, wellness, uh, kind of looking at, at things from a more holistic program. Uh, but I had zero freedom or flexibility of time or income at that time. So I left after about a year and went into financial planning, which I did for about seven years to try to find that freedom of flexibility uh, of time and income. Hated that. And throughout, I've been, you know, always active and staying, um, you know, kind of following different journeys. I found obstacle course racing uh, five or six years ago. I still play soccer on a regular basis. I used to suck at OCR, but I, I realized it was something I could be good at it if I really applied myself. Um, when I started to get good at it, people started asking me questions about, hey, how are you, you know, what's your diet look like? And how are you exercising? And, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And that kind of evolved into wrapping it back around. You know, I love educating. I've always wanted to educate. I just was realized I was educating people in the wrong things and something I wasn't passionate about. So when I realized I could actually earn a living talking about the things and teaching people the things that I actually enjoy, that's when the light bulb went off and um, about almost two years ago, or I guess a year and a half ago, I left my financial planning practice and founded what has now become GS Nation. That's the long and the short of it. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, what a, what a journey. And uh, it's pretty awesome that you got a um, like internship with an epic strength and conditioning coach. I actually have the founder of Spartan Racing uh, coming on in a couple of weeks to talk about, the, uh, I forget his name right now. I was trying to look it up, but uh, he's, he's written a do you know what it is? Yeah, Joe DeSena. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he's coming on and he's just written a book. So um, he's going to be a fascinating, fascinating guy to, to talk to. When you say OCR, I believe that's obstacle course racing. I don't know if everybody would pick that up. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Right. Well, there's a couple ways we can go with this because I think that you know a lot about human optimization and nutrition and health and wellness. And I definitely want to touch on that. But I remember when we were talking, um, you know, a lot of what you're talking about are, are looking to do in, in Richmond is build community. And you were speaking about some old Greek philosophy or something. Maybe we can start there because it was really interesting and I liked it. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, so I was on a, I'm trying to remember where I first heard this, this word from. Um, so I was on a, I was actually on a, on a cruise and it was an interesting thing because I don't think they, they do this thing anymore or this type of cruise anymore uh, or with a specific company rather, but it was a cruise where it was like greatly discounted because part of your, your trip was, uh, was like a volunteer aspect to it. Right. And so, um, you know, you, we went to the Dominican Republic and you, you sail there and on the couple days to, to get there, they teach you, you know, uh, how to teach English to, to kids, or they teach you like paper mache 
jade skills or gardening skills or like whatever it is. And once you get to the island, you go and practice those things and kind of give back to the community. And that helps to kind of subsidize the cost of the cruise, which was really neat. But one of these words popped up and the word was eudaimonia, right? And it's a Greek word. It means human flourishing. And I, I heard this probably three years ago and it really kind of embodied what I wanted to, to really focus on for myself uh, because to me, human flourishing is so much more than being fit or you know, being fast or being smart, right? It's kind of the optimization of everything. So I don't really see myself as a very natural athlete. I mean, I've played sports my whole life, but I'm not gonna dunk on anybody. I'm not particularly fast. Um, you know, I really feel like I had to work hard to get to this point and I had to do so by optimizing a lot of different things. Um, you know, using biohacking, for example, or really focusing on, on all the different aspects of health and wellness. And that was the thing that I realized that most people weren't doing in the strength and conditioning community. Most people weren't doing in, you know, personal training. We weren't doing it with our athletes. You know, we smash these athletes for an hour in the gym and then they go off and be college students. And like we talked about fitness or, or um, you know, nutrition rather, we talked about sleep, but we didn't focus on it. So I wanted to focus on building something that, that um, kind of embodied all those different aspects of, of life, right? To where that human can flourish. So that led me to find the concept of Blue Zones uh, by Dan Butner. There's a book, The Blue Zone Solution, um, which he wrote and co or co-authored rather. Um, Blue Zones came from a National Geographic assignment, right? Where researchers went out to try to find all these areas or find the areas in the world where people are the happiest, live the longest and have the least instances of disease. Turns out there's five and they circled them on a map with a blue pen so they became the blue zones, right? So uh, three of them are islands, uh, Ikaria off the coast of Greece, Sardinia off the coast of Italy, Okinawa off the coast of Japan. There's a peninsula in Costa Rica, and then there's a town in Southern California called Loma Linda. Uh, and in these five places, these are where people are, are again, living the longest and um, you know, have the least instances of disease and in many ways are thus the happiest. So what I tried to do is figure out what, why are these places so, so healthy and how could I bring some of those concepts back here to Richmond, Virginia, um, and not necessarily turn Richmond into a blue zone, but to almost create, <clears throat> excuse me, create a blue zone in and of itself in Richmond. And so that's what we, I believe that's what we've done is, you know, with GS Nation, what we're doing is, is if you're plugged in, it's going to be really hard for you to be unhealthy. And in these environments around the world, you know, it's difficult for these people to be unhealthy, right? Where, or rather, it's easy for them to be healthy because of, you know, they're moving naturally, they're eating mindfully, they're sourcing their food well, they live with passions, they live with purpose, they have support of their loved ones, um, you know, they have, oftentimes they're going to faith-based services, you know, so there's people, there, there's a higher connection. Uh, I mean, there's, it's all encompassing as far as the individual. And so, in these environments, there's human flourishing. And that's what I like to try to promote. And that's what, you know, we really try to focus on with, you know, our community and what we're building. 
That's awesome, man. You know, I, I remember when you said blue zones to me, I had, I'd recalled it. And I think that that study is very important because your environment affects who you are a massive deal. And that's why you know, I grew up in my hometown now, Cambridge, which I'm liking more, but I wanted to live in the mountains. I wanted to snowboard. I wanted to, um, you know, if I wanted to be a good snowboarder, well, I better go to the best environment possible. If I want to be healthy, um, you know, you can do it in places where it, the environment isn't perfect. You can definitely do it. There's no excuses. You can do anything anywhere, pretty much. Um, granted a few things. Um, I, agree you. I agree with you. You can be, you know, you know, like just, yeah. Yeah, you can get it done. But there's also places that will promote, you know, makes it a lot easier, right? It's just like where the common thing is going outside, uh, getting in the mountains, going for hikes, living a healthier lifestyle. And that's what the community is doing. It's a lot easier. And it's a lot more fun to do it with other people. So um, what are some things that you've done to incorporate learning? Like, can you identify some elements? You know, you, you did a little bit, but how are you incorporating those? And if somebody owns a gym or a CrossFit or, or yoga studio, is there anything that they can they can um, use and, and to upgrade and move towards the blue zone idea. Definitely. Let's start with that last question because I, I think that that's the big thing that people are missing. Many gyms, fitness studios, boutiques, yoga, whatever it is. I think the yogis do the best job of this because it's inherent in yoga is finding mindfulness and breath work and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but to me, Look, you've got to work hard for your fitness, right? If you want to be fit, if you want to be a great athlete, like there's no getting around the hard work, right? And it's got to be consistent, consistent, hard work. However, disclaimer, um, you know, you, you make gains, right? Or losses if you're a aesthetic or fat loss goal. You do that when you sleep, right? You do that when you eat well. You do that largely when you're happy and when you're smiling and when your cortisol levels are lower and when you're able to be in rest and relax parasympathetic state as opposed to you know fight or flight sympathetic state like a, a lot of crossfit gyms are and, and athletes are constantly way up here right and what i'd really try to do is focus on okay well let's breathe let's eat and nourishing foods let's spend time with loved ones let's you know, kind of let's make sure you go to bed on time. Let's make sure you're hydrating enough. Let's focus on all these factors and let's get that why front and center so that it's not, Hey, I want to lose 10 pounds and, and be shredded, you know, like dive deeper into that, you know? So I'll kind of give you an example on my end. Um, I, I didn't grow up, you know, as, as I didn't grow up as aesthetically pleasing as I would have liked to be. Right. You know, so I, I was a little bit overweight as a kid. I was a little bit chubby. I remember being, you know, scared to take my shirt off at the pool, you know, and a lot of that has to do with just being a, being a fucking kid. Right. But a lot of it is also just, um, I just didn't have any confidence and I know what that feels like for people. And, you know, I made it a goal of mine and made it a, a determination that I'll never be not confident to take my shirt off at the pool again. And so that's like one layer deep, right? Another layer deep is, you know, my, I've got some family members who have um, suffered from some metabolic diseases. And, you know, I want to be there for my kids one day, I want to be able to, you know, knock the soccer ball around with my grandkids, right? I want to be able to be moving forever. And knowing that one day I won't be able to. So I want to maximize that now. And so when I 
when I put those things front and center for me personally, that makes it a hell of a lot easier for me to get up and go do the things that I want to do, be the best athlete I want to be, but have that long-term focus in mind. Right. And so I think a lot of gyms, fitness studios, boutique places could, could really help out their members and patrons by putting that long-term focus front and center and by helping them to flourish as humans and not just flourish within those four walls of the gym. Um, so that's kind of what we really try to focus on. And, and, you know, we do so by putting on goal setting seminars, you know, Mark's helped us tremendously with that on a quarterly basis. Um, we do online group coaching where we go through mindset, sleep, nutrition, training, recovery, and then that's done in a community setting. Um, you know, we do, we've got sleep guides, nutrition guides. We've got a lot of different things where people can kind of pick those things that they really need to focus on and work with the coach to help them focus on them most optimally. And I believe that, you know, the community of people that we have that are so positive and so loving and caring for one another. I mean, that just elevates everything else, you know? So if we haven't seen Meg in a while, like people, like more than a handful of people are going to reach out to Meg and make sure that Meg's okay. And that she's coming back out again. Or, you know, if somebody has got something going on, like if Carrie's got a concert, like we're going to send 15, 20, 30 people who are just naturally going to go to Carrie's concert. They're going to bring their spouses and it's going to be a great time. Right. You know? And so everybody is, is kind of supporting one another there and we're all elevating together. So I, I think that that sense of community in many environments is, you know, or many fitness environments is just centered around the fitness. And I think that people are missing the boat on a lot of things by not opening that up to life because that's what we're training for. Right. Yeah, man, absolutely. What a really brilliant philosophy because it's obviously important to flourish in more ways than just fitness. And, and that kind of seems to be the motivating factor, right? Is, is what we look like, you know, getting in shape and things like that. If you're having, um, you know, your fitness isn't so good and you're eating too many donuts. It was my girlfriend's uh, birthday and all we did is like, eat donuts and pizza for like two days. And I was like, I feel like the like densest piece of crap right now. <laughs> just like, yeah, I hate myself, yeah. but I got to get out of that. Um, but there's a time and a place, man. There's time, and a place. time and a place. Yeah. So running today. Um, but you know, those other elements are so important. And so incorporating those elements really changes the game. It makes it a lot more holistic. And, you know, and you sharing that it's like building community naturally, you know, putting the why, like we, when we incorporate these things, it's so important. And that's, you know, basically what you're speaking about. And that's why we pretty much bonded right away with like with Zen athlete is that's exactly the idea is like, we have an opportunity to educate powerfully through sport. But we're really singular minded in the sense it's just performance, not around, not around like, you know, understanding how to communicate with the other kids, the other communities. It's an opportunity to know your neighbor. You know what I mean? You know, communities next door to, to build friendships, to build and strengthen communities, to build each other up, not just, you know, um, win and beat that school and you're a loser if you lose. No, it's competition. That's a part of it. It's, it's you know, it's, it's so much more than just the physical and the win and the championship and all that, although that's a wonderful goal, it doesn't take it away. It just gives it a different, more holistic meaning. And so what you're sharing is super important. And um, what I want to ask is if somebody out there has a gym or a yoga studio, you know, what's the one element that you incorporated? You know, you, you added a few things, but if they want to just do one, because it's kind of like your, um, 
I don't know what the word, like your container. When you, I'm uh, coaching a, a person who has a really high level uh, dance studio. They go to whatever the highest level dance is in Canada and the US. I don't know what that is, but the kids get groomed to go there. Um, but her philosophy is a little bit different. And so when you go into a martial arts studio, like a, you've probably done jujitsu or some sort of martial arts, there's like a respect. If you go into jujitsu, you have to have respect because you can break someone's arm, right? That's, it's not about beating someone up. You have kind of like rules on the wall or principles about respecting yourself, respecting the teacher, respecting other. And so you create a wonderful container. And so it sounds like you're, con you're creating this container. And when you create that container, um, it allows things to grow in a certain way. Just like in Burning Man, um, you know, they have 10 principles. Some people miss the whole boat and they're like, you know, Burning Man is this and that. And, you know, there is some crap at Burning Man for sure. But there's also a lot of wonderful things there, community and things like that because of the principles. They're doing their best job to create a container for a ton of people. So... Um, if you could just share maybe like one or two of those things that someone who has a container can add um, to start creating that thing, because I think what you have naturally unfolding is very beautiful. And I'll end the rant there. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I need to get to Burning Man so I can know what you yes. guys thought. But <laughs> um, that's a really good question. And, and I think it, it kind of boiled down to, to those things that kind of rattled off. Um, you know, when I was, so when I was at University of Richmond, you know, phenomenal programs at D1 school. They do a lot of phenomenal things there. I was also at a youth performance or working as a coach at a youth performance center and personal training, like in a Globo box gym, right? What I realized is that I'm only getting paid for the hour that I'm there, right? And the other 23 hours in the day are the things that really affect that client more, you know, and this is kind of more along the lines of the box gym more than at, at U of R. Um, you know, but if I have a client Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 9am, right, there's a lot of other hours in that week that they can positively affect or negatively affect what we've done in those three hours together, right? But I don't get paid to talk about sleep. I don't get paid to talk about nutrition. I don't get paid to talk about recovery. I don't get paid to talk about, you know, um, I guess I, in a way, get paid to talk about mindset, but like they're not there for a coaching session. They're there for a training session. And so I've really hated that model. And I think that, that a lot of the health and wellness industry are kind of going more towards this holistic model. But, you know, we focus on mindset first. I think that that's, that's the absolute key thing. You know, we do, um, we find your why. We write down your goals in Mark England vocabulary style. We, you know, do a fear setting exercise, Tim Ferriss style. And then we do a future casting or perfect day exercise, uh, which I absolutely love because that helps to, uh, you know, make things real and get your subconscious working and get you kind of working in that direction. You know, and, and that's all before we talk about training, uh, you know, then we go into sleep. Number one factor for me. You know, I became a much better athlete when I started prioritizing my sleep, you know, and now I get eight to nine hours a night pretty damn religiously. And I'm so much of a better athlete and a much more grounded, well-centered person than when I was skating by with six or seven. Um, then we get into nutrition and then we talk about the training, but we also tie in the recovery and we do all of that in the sense of community. And so I think that you know, these gym owners and boutique places and, you know, et cetera, personal trainers, et cetera, they can have a really massive 
performance boost and I think a big value boost for their clients by taking a couple steps back and focusing on those other factors that don't encompass what you're, what are you snatching and what's your mile time? You know, um, what are you doing when you get home? What are your interpersonal relationships like? You know, what's your relationship with your creator? Do you have one, you know, and, and um, have you thought that through, right? You know, are, if you're agnostic, great, you know, but have you thought about it? Or are you just saying like, nah, I can't deal with that. I just, I'm not, not worried about it, right? You know, like I, all those things kind of create, or the lack of going through those things create this internal existential strife that I think pulls you away from your goals, you know? And so really focusing on all those different aspects of one's life allows you to be content with where you are while also taking very concerted steps to where you want to go and realizing that you can pivot and turn and change directions and do all that anytime you want. Um, you know, you're in complete and under control of your life. You as Matt, me as Dave, you as listener, I mean, you are able to go and do anything that you would like to do if you put your time, energies, and efforts to it. Um, you know, like I, I suck at math, dude. Like I blow at math. But if I wanted to become a mathematician, it would be a long, hard road. But I would imagine over the next 30 years, you know, I could be a 51-year-old mathematician if I put my heart and soul and energies and efforts into it, right? I, like, and don't ask me to divide a fraction. I, there's zero chance I could do that at all <laughs> right now. But if I gave everything I had into it, I could become that, right? And so it's, it's just focusing on both the big picture and the minutia at the same time, um, but kind of expanding out the topics and expanding the depth at which people are, are engaging with their members. And I think that that's, that's the big key is to dive in, get to know people and take it from there gets to know people beyond what their snatches are and what their mile time is, you know? <laughs> yeah, man, that's awesome. But it really, is there any, is there any reason to know someone other than beyond their snatches and their, and their mile times? Because, you know, we want to keep it, <laughs> we want to keep it surface. Um, yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And I think, you know, one of the important things that I picked up was um, finding your why, you know, we can understand why we're doing anything, what our motivation is. We begin to create life on purpose rather than by default or by someone else's standard. Um, you know, Mike Bledsoe was on the show a while back and I'm actually doing the course. Um, it's called enlightened lifting and it's with, uh, Mark England and Mike Bledsoe. And, yeah. you know, Mike is, you know, from barbell shrugged and a super incredible trainer. And a lot of people know who he is. And, uh, really successful. And, and, you know, a lot of times he said on the podcast, people will come and be like, yeah, I want to, you know, deadlift 600 pounds, 700 pounds. And he would just be like, why? You know what I mean? And, and when they'd have a very real talk with him, he would go through all those things and they would discover like, maybe they want to do gymnastics. Maybe they want to do dance, you know, just you get to the root of it. And, and then you're creating on purpose. You have to take that time to think because we're so either culturally motivated or, you know, wherever the influence comes from, sometimes we don't take that moment to think about it and then go on purpose. And you made a really great example with the mathematician thing. I would be the same person, but I would recognize now that from what I've learned, if I do put my heart and soul into it and I strongly desire it, um, I can achieve that. And that's the idea is getting to a place where you are very clear on your why and that desire to create 
by your own standard is going to get you through the hurdles. And if you're doing it through cultural standards, you're going to, you're going to buckle at the first little speed bump, you know, but if it's from you, you're going to, you know, go over mountains and just keep going because you recognize that it's over time. And, uh, it's a really powerful thing. And I'll give, you know, Mark a shout out because he gave, um, I did his vocabulary course and I've studied, uh, NLP and languages so important. And what he did in that course is, uh, really just make it very, very simple and extremely powerful and uh you can check it out at procabulary.org and i think i think my thing is word magic if you use word magic you get 100 bucks off but it's an excellent course a lot of times when i'm training people or coaching i i suggest certain courses like that one is it's so concise so easy and you can apply it anywhere and i think he's episode 95 if you guys want to check that out but it's really really great work it's just when you can take an idea and make it very simple and then apply it, uh, that's where you have the money. You know, there's no fluff. It's just like, and then I'm like, yep, that's correct. I'm going to do that. So um, where I wanted to kind of go with this, because I know you have a lot of information on it, is just general training, like your, your tips. I'm a, you know, an athlete, and I think there's a lot of athletes that listen to this. Um, I don't know if you have general advice or um, specific, but, you know, what are your top tips for just, you know, nutrition and like protocols and what to do? Like, I'll give you an example for I'll answer my own question in the sense that I think some of the great hacks that I've found are kettlebell, um, suspension trainer. I love those. You can put them in your house and, and, and pull-ups. Those for me are key. And, um, and then just making it fun. So if you want to do martial arts, do things like that, I could kind of embellish and keep going on, but like to get really strong, I want to maximize my potential. I want to have a huge deadlift, be able to run far and, you know, you know, do all that. So if you are looking to train in that kind of way, what are some of your best tips as far as nutrition, protocols, tactics, hacks, biohacking, all that noise? Cool. Uh, yeah, let's <laughs> um, so my, my chosen spot at Spartan, um, you know, that's going to be Obstacle course racing to me is, is so unique because it takes such a well-rounded overall athlete, right? And for people who are unfamiliar with that sport, think, think like a military obstacle course, you know, with walls and rope climbs and, and climbing under barbed wire, but then throw in really heavy carries, um, you know, throw in a lot of upper body obstacles, like, you know, rings and different types of bars, moving bars, that type of stuff. But then you add it over distance and you add oftentimes elevation to that. So you're looking at, you know, five miles, 10 miles, 15 miles up and down ski resorts in the summertime, you know, or ski mountains in the summertime. And so, you know, the marathoner is, is might, might be able to crush people on the running, but they're going to get crushed by the heavy carries. And the power lifter is going to be fine on the hairy, on the heavy carries, but not going to be able to run up and down mountains, right? And so it really takes a broad general athlete and a very good general athlete to be good in this particular sport, which is great because I've played soccer since I was four years old and still play, you know, once or twice a week today. And I was an elite level powerlifter in college. And so I was able to kind of like whittle down this, this, this athlete into somebody who, you know, I'm getting much better at running. My strength is pretty damn good for the sport. You know, my grip strength is great. My endurance is great. My agility is great, you know, and, and I'm just kind of working on all these other different aspects, but I think it takes a long time to get to that point. And so again, it really boils down to what do you want to do and why do you want to do it? You know, in college, pretty much the only thing that mattered in life was my deadlift, 
max and my you know madden record with my roommates you know so it's, it's just a little bit different now um but with that being said you know i the way that i look at 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 strength and conditioning and kind of health and wellness is kind of through those those lenses so i start with with mindset first um and i believe that consistency is key so over three years ago, I set out the day before my 28th birthday, I set out, or I set a totally unattainable goal uh, to work out every day that calendar year, right? So to work out every day of the 28th year of my life, right? And I, and I followed the Tim Ferriss model of unrealistic and un, unattainable goals are better and easier almost to achieve because they give you the gas to, to actually do it. You know, my lose 10 pounds goal, like first sign of birthday cake, like that goal is gone, right? It's not deep enough. Um, but this was something that I, I just knew that I couldn't do, but I wanted to give it everything I had to accomplish it anyway. And my definition of working out quickly changed from like, oh, I'm going to run five miles every day, you know, which is stupid from a strength conditioning standpoint to, you know, I'm going to make a concerted effort to better myself physically every single day. Okay. So, um, I got about a hundred days in and I wrote a blog post of, you know, eight things you can learn from working out a hundred days in a row. And I put that on Facebook and that was really key for me because that gave me the social accountability to actually stick with it. And I'd had a couple hard days up to that point, right? You know, like I had gotten out of bed at 1030, you know, at night going, Oh shit, I didn't do it. You know? And so I got out of bed and I did my thing, you know, and, and I had some rainy days. I had some lazy days, but I was still motivated and I was still stoked on the goal, right? When it got hard was when time passed and my motivation waned and then my discipline had to step up, right? And, and I, disclaimer, I have tried to do this in other areas of my life. I haven't been able to do it because they haven't been like deep and intrinsic. Like I tried to meditate for a year and I got like to like January 10th and that was gone, you know? <laughs> like, like I, you know, there's a lot of things that I've tried to do this with, but you know, I call this the keep your streak alive challenge. And I'm up over three years, I'm up over 1100 days. Um, you know, and that's been every single day of bettering myself physically. And that, you know, keep your streak alive, helps me to be a better athlete, because no matter what, I'm doing something every day. So I think that, you know, even if it's foam rolling and mobility work and a long walk in the neighborhood, like that's like, cool, I set aside time to do it. And I did it, so it counts, right? And then the other days, you know, yeah, I might, I'll bang out a long run or I'll have a big deadlift session. I mean, I, I train much more often than I don't train, but I'm doing something every day. And I think that that's a big hack because a lot of people take those off days and, you know, are just totally missing out on a whole lot of recovery uh, and a whole lot of, of fitness gains and health and wellness gains by just sitting on their ass. And on the flip side, a lot of the CrossFit community goes hard seven days a week and is totally missing the boat on the concept of super compensation in general. You know, you work hard, you work hard, you work hard, you give your body time to rest and recover because it dips down in ability and then you come back stronger than you were before. And it's this three steps forward, one step back effect to where, you know, now you're climbing the mountain, right? You might have to backtrack a little bit, but when you backtrack, you recover and then you keep climbing. So, you know, that's my mindset. That's why I start there. Um, you know, I, I realized one day I won't be able to run, be it for injury or be it just because of old age. And I love 
moving and expressing myself through movement. And I want to be able to do that and maximize that while I can, because I don't want to regret having athletic potential and having person potential and not fulfilling it. Right. Um, the next biggest thing is sleep. Like, dude, if you aren't sleeping, you got to go the fuck to bed. And that's my number one tip for how to sleep better is go the fuck to bed. Like take your phone and put it on the other side of the room. Um, I turn mine on airplane mode. And then I tell Alexa, who's going to turn on because I said her name, uh, I tell her to wake me up. Right. And so like, you don't need to have your phone by your bed, put it on airplane mode, get it across the way and just go to sleep, man. You know, and, and I think that's the biggest tip people can have to, to, change their entire lives not just their physical bodies um you know if you have kids you know what lack of sleep will do to you if you opened a business you know what lack of sleep will do to you and, and you're just not the same person you know so i kind of liken it to those snickers commercials uh hungry why wait you know like it's like are you an asshole like, go to bed and you probably won't be nearly as much of an asshole tomorrow uh, <laughs> um Nutrition wise, I, I really don't believe in, in the if it fits your macros model. That's just not, not a great sound long-term approach in my opinion. I really try to focus on eating as many real foods as possible. Um, I have recently, and this is within the past probably three or four months, taken big steps back from how much meat I consume on a regular basis. And I've I just did that. It wasn't so much like a humane or humanitarian thing. It was more along the lines of um, trying to reduce systemic inflammation, you know, and I, I feel that when I've, since I've cut out dairy by about 99% and since I've cut out red meat by about 75%, I've been able to recover much faster from my workouts and I feel better. So I don't, at the same time, I'm, I have to eat a ton of calories in order to, to work out every single day and to put in the work that I need to work or put in. And so I focus on really, you know, I focus on superfoods, like nutrient dense foods, like chia seeds, flax seeds, hemp seeds. Um, you know, I plow through berries, dude, like berries, bananas, um, you know, a lot of fruit. I'll, you know, eat a, I get, get the big Costco bag of power greens they call it so it's like chard arugula and spinach and i'll go through like two or three of those a week um you know i'm a big fan of smoothies anything you can make nutrient dense and eat quickly like that's that's my jam um but you know i'm i'm the meat that i do eat is wild caught it's grass-fed it's sustainable you know it's it's i'm gonna pay for it but i'm gonna like it's gonna actually be put to use in my body um you know, recovery techniques, I, I, you know, foam roll, I've got my little corner over here where with my, you know, roller and my lacrosse ball and my orb and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I will let everyone in on the greatest tip in fitness recovery of all time. Um, have you seen those things like the Theragun and like the, those like, like manual, like, like massagers, you've seen those? Yeah, I recently got into like the, I didn't want to do foam rolling forever. And uh, now I've been like increasing flexibility. I'm like, all right, fine, I'll do it. Um, so I, I get all these ads for everything and I want all of them. So yeah, if you have some info, please let me know. Here's the deal. All right. A lot of those are like 200 bucks, 400 bucks, right? They're crazy expensive. Black and Decker makes an orbital polisher. Okay. It is a, it's called Black & Decker Orbital Polisher. 
and you can get it at Lowe's, Home Depot, Amazon. Uh, it's for like waxing your car, right? Or polishing your car. Dude, it's $30 and it's phenomenal. This, you plug it into like, you plug it in, into a grounded outlet. Like it's like a earth power, right? It's not a battery charge thing. And, and it's about, you know, five inches or so. It's a little round thing. And, you know, you can, it'll spin and you so see, you can kind of hold it flush against the muscle. But if you turn it on its side, you can like really dig in there and I'll give myself like, it's called a, you know, a buffer. So I'll give myself a, uh, a good buff, you know, before I go to bed two or three nights a week. And it'll take me 10, 15 minutes to kind of like start at my feet and move all the way up on one side and all the way back down the other. But you feel like a brand new person and it's so cheap. So uh, throw those in show notes. <laughs> yes. Is it, so is it basically the buffer? Is that what it is? $30. Oh, dude, man, like going to festivals, shout out to my buddy, Lyle Maxim, because he is always just all about the buffers. So every time we're at like uh, Burning Man or Oregon Eclipse or wherever, he's got a buffer setup. So where if, you, if you've ever seen me in like costume at Burning Man or something, a lot of the time I may be near a buffer. And that's yeah. one of our gifts to the community is you just buff them out. So that's what the thing yeah. you're talking about. People yes, really like it. It's a great massage. It's phenomenal. And it costs like $300 less than the actual fitness buffer. Like I, I'm seriously considering just buying a thousand of them and spray painting them black and calling them like Dave's, Dave's massager and like just sending them out. Dave's recovery buffer. Dave's recovery buffer. Yeah, exactly. So can you um, buff yourself easily? How do you get into the back area? Yeah, yeah. I, I come up like this, you know, and then I'll I, kind of both ways. I mean, there are going to be spots you can't hit, but you can hit 90% of your body solo. And then it, right you know, on. like you just lay down, have somebody roll you out, you know? So like we did that at university of Richmond is, is, you know, we had like the stick, you know, uh, the, like the mobility stick looks like a rolling pin. Right. You know, and so the end of sessions, we, you know, roll, roll out people's hamstrings and roll out calves or, triceps or whatever it may be just to get, get blood flow in the area and, and kind of get get you know wipe away or push away those toxins and bring in fresh blood um you know for recovery purposes so i'm a big fan of, of those types of things um the other big hack i found for sleep is it's in the other room but i've got a grounding mat and that has done wonders for my deep sleep right so this is kind of going to get into the the crazy stuff now um I've been doing a lot of work with, or, you know, or research on how bad blue light is for you and how terrible man-made electromagnetic frequencies are for you. Um, you know, 5G is going to be a big deal. That's why my phone goes on airplane mode at night and why it goes away from me. Uh, but the grounding mat has over the past month and a half or so added probably 30 or 40% more deep sleep and REM sleep to my sleep cycles. And I track that using an app called whoop. Um, so that's been a super cheap, very efficient way for me to get deeper, more restful sleep, you know, and before I realized I was, I was getting a lot of sleep, but it wasn't as efficient as it could be, you know? And so I, th I think the grounding mat really helped. Uh, this is a decaf coffee. I gave up 90% of my caffeine I think that really, really helped me to get deeper, better sleep. Um, so I'm just always trying to kind of optimize those different things. But, you know, anything that you can do to, to prevent or reduce the amount of and frequency of those EMFs, I believe is going to be a really important thing both now and especially in the future as this 5G revolution, as Verizon calls it, continues to, to you know, overtake us all. So 
Um, I'm trying to, to kind of get back to nature as much as possible. I actually saw a meme the other day of like uh, this, this baby alligator with butterflies all over its head. And it's kind of like had this little smirk out of the corner of its eye. And the caption was something along the lines of like, when you used to be a savage, but now you're all into nature and shit. <laughs> and that's like kind of where I'm at now. But, awesome, man. Well, yeah, those, those are really um, useful, especially the recovery tool buffer zone, man. Cause yeah, the Theragons and everything like that. I, I definitely wanted to um, get all that. So you just saved me a few bucks. Um, a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. And you also, you, you know, you, you spoke about like the, the tip of just consistency and that is, that's really everything. Just doing anything consistent. Like even if you're, you know, starting on your journey, just walking, just doing something or that overall commitment, you know, of you, when you just had the idea of like bettering yourself, you know, physically in some capacity, that's going to be your minimum. And you can kind of, um, commit to that, you know, and if you can do it over a month, you're going to see incredible results. So it's got to be just meaningful for you. Um, is there anything yeah. else? Go ahead. I've got a, a buddy of mine, Matt Walrath, uh, owns Beyond Oh, Matt, yeah. I know yeah. Matt. Matt's a good dude. Uh, Heck yeah. He actually did a, a podcast series on, he called it the Streak Series. And so he interviewed myself and a couple other people on his podcast, the Beyond Macros podcast, for you know, different ways people can kind of tie in the streak. And, and it's kind of neat because, you know, I, I really look up to Matt both as a person and a business owner, and even though he's a number of years younger than me, but, um, you know, he, he started a streak kind of based on the conversation that Matt, that we had together. So he's had his fitness streak going. He just hit a hundred days uh, a week or two ago. And, and, you know, it's really cool to kind of see that consistency. And with that consistency, you know, he's shared that he's, you know, his handstands have gotten so much better just by doing them for five minutes a day. You know, and, and he's been able to, to kind of do a lot of things. And, and what people don't realize is that, you know, an hour once per week is not nearly as good as five minutes, you know, seven days per week. I mean, you can do it in half the time, but just having that consistency over things is, is going to allow your body to adapt so much better um, than having those, you know, chunking it out in those different kind of larger blocks of time, but less frequent. Um, instances so yeah yep 100 percent. I, I totally agree and uh yeah shout out matt he was also the guy if you've ever seen that video come up where someone's crossfitting and uh uh where is that what beach is that Venice beach or, Venice yeah. beach muscle beach and this old man comes out and he starts crossfitting with him and like he lifts more than matt does and matt's the other guy and he's like how is this old man you know <laughs> whatever it was like 300 pounds <laughs> i asked him about that he's like man that's so funny that thing is still like out there making its rounds and viral but he was genuinely fooled and genuinely just mind blown at this 80 year old dude <laughs> kind of like uh what's the uh the uncle drew the basketball series like you know yes. goes out and, and you know dunks on people and on you know in brooklyn park or in in something you know some crazy some crazy uh you know basketball game pick up basketball game and it's the 80 year old dude who can splash threes and, and do 360 windmills and everyone's just yeah 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 totally and I, yeah i love that matt was on the other side of that and he, he's he's such a genuine dude as well so you can see him just in the video just like what how's this happening like this is amazing he's like so happy for him but confused at the same time it's so he good him, he was like any tips for a for a young gun like me and uh, <laughs> oh yeah totally <laughs> he's like okay yeah i'll be consistent yes sir yeah oh my god so good um well 
Man, yeah. Is there anything else that you want to say on that? Because I think that that is all really practical. I think that a lot of people, when they're when they're training or they're doing something, they want that that magic pill or their biohack, yeah. and like some things can help, but I think nothing trumps consistency. Uh, listening to your body, you know, eating healthy, learning a little bit about food, like you know, cutting out dairy. We know dairy is not great, um, and just looking at like real fruits, real vegetables, um, good food. You know, and if you can just keep it simple, um, that's important. But there are, there are other things that, that help, but they're not going to be like the main, they're going to assist, you know? Exactly. It's like if you, uh, like if you can't skateboard, the best skateboard isn't going to help you. I just saw a video of like Chris Jocelyn 360 flipping like an eight stair at the barracks with, with a byway board or, or Walmart board and the thing barely even moved. And that board is not even a board. So, you know, it's like those things that are going to help you are going to, they're not going to be the answer. They're going to, they're going to assist. And I think that we're putting biohacking first and the hacks first rather than consistency, common sense, hard work, getting outside, being in nature. You know, you, you nailed it. Um, I think it, especially in the strength and conditioning community, there's always like the, the trend or the, or the tendency to go towards a new or cool exercise, you know, or a new or cool way to do things and same with the biohacking community. I mean, you know, and, and granted, there's a lot of things out there that will give you that 1% or that 0.5% or that 3%, you know, but dude, if you're not drinking a gallon of water a day, like start there, that's 15%, right? I mean, if you aren't sleeping eight hours a day, like start there, get an extra hour of sleep. That's 25%. So fuck the, the blue light blockers and, you know, the, the, you know, crazy snatch combo, this, that, or the other, right? I mean, like, it's, it's just focus on the meat and potatoes of, of wellness, and then you can get into those particulars, right? Now, it's, it's kind of the Pareto principle comes up, you know, where 20% of your, of your actions get you 80% of your, you know, returns, and then vice versa. If you are already a world-class athlete, then yeah, you know, like, Cupping really did help Michael Phelps in the Olympics, right? But cupping probably isn't going to help, you know, Joe Schmo, who's just trying to get in the gym for the first time. Like, that's not necessarily a thing to focus on, right? You know, and so I, I think that really, really focusing on the big picture items and supplementing and sprinkling in the fun stuff can take you a lot farther than putting the fun stuff first and trying to uh outmaneuver hard work hard work you know yep yep 100 percent, man and um you know i think that we've touched on a lot of amazing things i love the start of just talking about the blue zone communities and in a more holistic approach just understanding things a little bit deeper understanding your own why what your habits are uh getting clear uh, you know creating on purpose rather than default you know some really um just common sense things around fitness being like, you know, someone who trains high level people, high level um, athletes and just really what the, what the core principles are. So where I want to go with this is I'm wearing the, the t-shirt is I know that you have um, an interesting story that you haven't shared before. And I'm just curious if you want to share that. Um, I have a yeah. few myself, if you want me to warm it up, cause it's a bit of a left turn. Um, yeah, but <laughs> I'm I'm so excited to hear it because you know I think that with the out there stories when you can be grounded like like what I'll get a lot in the because I'm in you know meditation and, and um you know my podcast really reaches a, a 
variety of people. I get a lot of intake on certain stories from people. Some of them, I'm not sure that I believe. I'm not saying that they're lying. I don't, I don't know, but it's hard to like, some people I just really believe and it's really genuine. And I think it's important for us to expand our awareness. And one of these stories was um, from David Lone Bear talking about um, how he was hunting one day and, and the way that he was taught, he had to stay in a spot. He would have to do all these weird things as a kid. And he was, he would hunt moose and different stuff. He's native American. And he said that uh, one time, you know, he's, he's covered in snow and he said his, he's a, he's a Mi'kmaq. And he said, I had heard about the little people there in our stories. Um, but I actually saw them. He's like, I've never smoked a day in my life. I've never drank. I've never taken a drug. And I can see these little tiny people. And um, he explains them on a podcast. He's like, I saw it. I don't know who they are, where they come from, what the deal is. And the interesting thing is, um, I had just finished reading a book um, called Mad Bear. And it's about a different Native American medicine man. And the guy who he is uh, communicating with, uh, like studying, he's a psychologist and he goes around lecturing, but he was friends with him because he wanted to learn about you know, Native American history, things like that. He also spoke about the little people and showed him a skeleton. And he's like, they only give you these if they let. This is a gift. This is like my most sacred thing. But he would never talk about it. It would never be like, uh, you know, he, he would always like, lead with those out there stories. So I think it's like interesting when we have these fringe stories that actually happen because what we're trying to do is, is piece together what's actually happening here. What are the limits to our reality? And in a sense where it expands our mind and expands our consciousness. And I think it's good to snap people out of default consciousness, right? Yeah. If, if it goes, you know, if all of a sudden, you know, Star Trek happens and they look down at us, you know what I mean? It's going to change our scope. I forget what the word is, but you know, when they went to the moon and you came back and they took a picture of uh, the earth, that picture changed global consciousness instantly. And everyone, I, I think there's a word for it, but everyone who's been on a ship um, and look back at the earth, they have a massive shift in consciousness because it expands possibility. And then you're going to refine and get closer to your why. So that's my warm up. I don't yeah. know if you want to share a story, but you know, yeah. that's all yours. I, I would, man, I would. So I, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of talking about things outside of this world, right? And, and things that aren't necessarily able to be explained. And, um, you know, I've always been interested in the sky. I've always been interested in, and always looked up, um, in large part because of my grandfather. So my grandfather was a, um, was in the Navy during Vietnam and he actually taught survival or survival techniques to four Navy pilots. And so like he, he was in, he was in a base down in the Everglades where, you know, that's kind of where they trained because the swamp land was kind of very similar to Vietnam. So he taught survival for pilots in the Navy, right? And so he's outside all the time. He's very connected to nature, you know, but he was also on the aircraft carrier, um, USS Enterprise. Oops, sorry, camera fell. Um, and he has a, he spent a ton of time in the woods, spent a ton, ton of time in nature. He had an experience in high school where he saw like some unexplained, unidentified you know, the thing kind of came up over the trees. It was silent. It never, it just shone a big, big light down on kind of the area and then like went off. And this was in the middle of the woods in West Virginia. And he, he was like, dude, I had no idea what that was. I was 18 years old, totally sober, like zero clue. Right. Uh, he also had an incident in, in the Navy where he worked on 
uh, when he was on the Enterprise, he worked in the radar room, right? And he, they had an instance where a couple lights popped up, you know, a few miles off, off the ship. This is in the middle of, I think, the Pacific. And it popped up on the radar as well, right? And so on the aircraft carrier, they scrambled jets, and the jets came and like banked around and headed back towards the lights, and the lights to the, to the naked eye just disappeared, right? And on radar, what he saw was, a, was like three crafts go from zero feet off the ground to over 100,000 feet out of radar in like three seconds. And they were debriefed on it. It was like a, hey, you guys like, this doesn't go anywhere type thing. And now this is like 50 years later, 60 years later. And so he's, you know, told us the stories when we were kids. And, and I think he did it in the way to just make us realize that we, we as humans and you as little shit, David, are not the shit that you think that you are, you know, like there's a bigger world out there. And, and uh, you know, like we don't really know where we come from necessarily. Right. So oh, I preface that with the story I'm about to tell you is hundred percent accurate. I was not in any way under any influence and thank God I have a witness because otherwise I might be crazy right now. So, um, this is January, like January 21st of 2013. Uh, I'm with a buddy of mine by the name of Dan, uh, who's a kind of a no bullshit, no nonsense, New Yorker, right? Coworker this is my, in my financial planning days. And we are, coming back from a day long trip to Southwest Virginia. So a place, town called Roanoke, about three hours away. Um, but we're not taking the highway. We're taking a kind of notorious for its long, boring drive, a, a little back road. It's a road called 460. And it's a, it's a two lane road, um, but it goes from Roanoke to Richmond just kind of like in a, in a back ass way, right? Um, so it's about 8 p.m., it's dark. My cell phone was legitimately dead, right? I had just, it just died, ran out of juice. I was texting too much. Dan's cell phone, you know, dropped. This is really weird. So I'm tying in a couple of things that were really weird prior to this incident. So Dan's looking at his phone, he's driving, I'm in the passenger seat and his, his bars or his service or whatever uh, battery dropped from like three bars to blinking in minutes. And he was like, dude, this is weird. And I said, yeah, this is really weird. Uh, he says, I'm going to turn off my cell phone in just in case we need it. Like thinking like, oh, it's a little two lane road. You know, deer could pop out. We could hit a deer and we'll need to call somebody and we don't want our phones to be dead. Right. Cool. This is before, you know, car chargers or whatever, I guess. Um, which is crazy since that's only like six or seven years ago. <laughs> but um, so his, both of our cell phones are off. We don't have cameras on us or anything like that. He's telling a story and, you know, I'm kind of leaning back in my, in the passenger seat and I've got, you know, my, my view is the front windshield and it's, you know, nighttime out. It's a pretty clear night, moonless night. And I notice two red lights way up in the distance. And dude, I'm talking like way the fuck up, up there and way the fuck out there. Like these are far, far away right and over the course of about five minutes i watch these two lights and they're like parallel with one another and they are like doing this they're moving sporadically which catches my eye and catches my attention and they get to the point where over about five minutes 
and over the course of Dan's story, where they're now ground level and parallel with us. And so I remember this is kind of like when I, when my memory kind of tunes back in is he's driving like this hand on the wheel and I'm looking up underneath his arm and he's like, dude, what the fuck are you looking at? Like I'm looking out his, his door and I'm like, those two red lights over there, dude. And he's like, what the cell tower? I said, that's not a cell tower. I've followed those with my eyes from 10 miles up in the air and 10 miles away to right down here over the past five minutes. He goes, get the fuck out of here, man. Like you're like, that's ridiculous. Like, you know, no way. And I'm like, yes way. Right. And so we like bank the road banks to the right and then turns to the left to where we open up into this big, and, and this is like, we're in, in wooded area, woods on both sides. We opened up into a big field, right? Big, um, like farm, farmland or whatever. And the way that we turned, we turned into those two lights. And now those two red lights that were 10 miles up in the air and 10 miles away are now directly in front of us, maybe 500 feet off the ground, splitting the road in half, right? And this road is heading straight into this field, maybe mile long field, and we are heading straight into this thing. So Dan turns the corner and immediately just, what the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? Right? And I, I'm just over here going, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Because this thing is fucking massive, man. And like, and like, I've told the story to friends and like, they're like, well, what's it look like? I'm like, well, dude, it's a fucking spaceship. Like, I don't know any other way to describe this thing. Right. <laughs> like there's, there's no other way to describe this. This is a spaceship and it is massive 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 like, did it look is, could you could you see anything physical or was it just light no dude i physical like like the two red lights are right here but then behind the two red lights it is a massive um like craft we'll call and it and the two lights were on one craft the two lights were on one craft okay right? and, wow and they were and like dude this thing was fucking big because i could pick out two lights from way the fuck up and out there Right. And so these two lights are on like the left side and the right side. And this thing is, you know, if, if I'm looking at the windshield, this thing is taken up like 60% of the windshield. Like it is huge, like many, 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 many 747s big. Right. And it is directly over the road. We are heading directly at it. Uh, there are like, there are no, there's no like, like legs to this thing. There's it's, this is not a tower. This is not a blimp. This is not, you know, this, this isn't a balloon, right? So here's where shit starts to get wild. We turn the corner, we head straight into this thing as, as if things aren't wild yet. Right? <laughs> and, and from when we first saw it with our eyes, like when we first turned the corner and saw it, it never moved. It was stationary in the sky. Like it was like, like it was a tower or like it was like, you know, just sitting on the fucking ground. Like it didn't do this. It didn't do this. It didn't go up or down or left or right or twitch in any fucking way. It was cemented in the sky. Right. So Dan's Dan said, what the fuck is this 50 times? Right. Or what the fuck is that? Like, what the fuck is that? What the fuck is that? What the fuck is like, could, like on repeat, dude, like on a looper. I like, couldn't stop. Freaking out. <laughs> Freaking out. 
Like this is a no bullshit guy, like a New Yorker, like, like has the accent and he is freaking out. Right. Uh, I like, because I saw it, like, I'm like, all right, like it immediately says, all right, cool. Well, this is like the encounter. And, and so that's like the first thing that my mind went to. And so I told him to slow. He's like, should I stop? And I, and in, in hindsight, I would have stopped, but he was like, no, like keep going. So we're driving again, straight at it. And this thing's getting bigger and bigger because we're driving straight fucking at it. Right. And I tell him to slow down. So we slow down to like maybe 20 miles an hour or so. And I roll down the windows in the car and I'm leaning out the car. I'm like holding onto that, that thing, you know, like the little like, like passenger handle thing. And my entire torso is out the car and it, it's not making a sound, man. It doesn't make a sound. It's entirely, completely silent and entirely and completely stationary and fucking massive. And so you know, for about 45 seconds, we're driving into this thing, like driving straight towards it. And again, like, I wish I had stopped, but we didn't. And we drove right underneath it. And it, you know, like directly underneath it, like if it had dropped a penny from the dead fucking center of that craft, it would have hit us in the dead fucking center of that, of that window. Uh, I don't think we lost time but I don't know that for a fact. I don't know what time it was exactly going in and I don't know what time it was exactly coming out. I, it didn't, like, I don't, like, I don't necessarily like feel in my gut that we lost any time, right? But I don't know. Uh, but we drove right underneath this thing and I'm hanging onto this thing like this. Dan's got a death grip on the, on the steering wheel, still going, what the fuck is this, what the fuck is this? Right? And I'm leaning out the window and I'm, I look up at this thing and we went directly underneath it. maybe three, four, 500 feet up. Um, it looks like if you took a piece of aluminum foil and you crumpled it, crumpled it into a big ball and then you uncrumpled it and spread it out again. Like that like textured nature of it where it's got no real lines, like nothing. It just looks like you know, a mountaintop wood from space or a mountain range wood from space. It, that's what the underside looked like. And it was huge. And we, it took us fucking forever to, to drive underneath it. And the entire time, I'm just like, oh, my god and like and then so i turn around and i'm like facing it so my back is facing the front of the car and i'm hanging out the window and for the next 45 seconds as we drive away it never moved and it never made a sound and on the back is this tiniest little white light on the on the very back and so two reds on the front left and right in and the back was the tiniest little white white light and Dan didn't say anything and I didn't say anything for at least 10 minutes once I like slunk back into my seat and I just like laid there and Dan was just doing this driving and after about 10 minutes he just goes well that changes everything and I said, <laughs> yep sure does. uh Dan's no longer catholic I put it to you like that so, wow. so yeah no shit um so I went back and, you know, and this is the funny thing. So when I got back to my car and I got back to my apartment, I was living in like a little loft apartment in, in like a, a old, um, you know, warehouse, redone warehouse downtown. When I got to my room and I like laid in bed, there is this feeling where a legitimate 20% of me thought that there was a legitimate 20% chance that I was going to be visited by either A, the men in black or B, the aliens themselves that night saying, don't talk to anybody about this or like saying, or like doing like a debrief or something. Like I, I, I literally thought that I was like, okay, 
20% odds I go to sleep tonight and I wake up and there are people in my room wanting to know what I saw and why. And it like that never happened. Um, you know, I told my family about it. My the first time my dad said, was, oh, did you check your butt? <laughs> you know, like, were you probed? <laughs> right? uh, my granddad was like, could be some, you know, military thing, but you probably saw what you saw. And, you know, like I've seen it. So I believe you. Um, I don't know, man, it was crazy. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life, hands down. And there's no real explanation for it. Um, I, you know, I don't know, like it, it, it was, this would be quantum leaps forward in the technology that the human race has to make something that big be stationary and silent. And like, why? Like, why the fuck would it be right there? And so, you know, here's the other crazy thing is we didn't see a car, another vehicle, for like 30 minutes, like 15 on the front end and 15 on the back end. Like it was very, it was either very intentional or incredibly random. And those are like, I know those are two opposite ends of the spectrum here, uh, but it was either like you two are gonna see this or just the most random fucking occurrence of all time. Um, thoughts questions comments or concerns what do you got holy crap man well that's that is that is unbelievable i i knew you had a story for me and i wasn't exactly sure what it was um but that is that is a doozy man you know it's interesting too when you shared the stories i've had several experiences um but when i was when i had mine they were just lights um both times they look like holes in the universe like one when i was i, I have a if you look up ufo orb um it's on my YouTube channel. Where the heck was I? Um, like Seattle area. Um, and, and when it came close, it was coming down this road. I saw a blinking light. And as I like coming closer and closer and closer. Um, and then when I got real close, it just looked like a hole being pushed in, like in the universe, like black. And then this like light that kind of was like in it. It was so weird. It wasn't emitting light. It was kind of like bringing it in. You know what I mean? Like, like, and it was the trippiest thing I've ever seen. I have it on film and still people don't believe me. I was like, look, you can look it up here. And if you freeze it down, this orb thing is bouncing and just appearing in different spots. So we can slow it down and it goes like this and it just appears over here and then appears over here and appears over here. That's kind of like, like, I think that's kind of what was happening and what drew my attention to those two red lights to begin with is because like they were moving so sporadically and I don't know whether like they separated or not, but I just can't remember, you know, when I first saw them way up in the distance, but I knew that they, they weren't just doing this like a plane did, you know, like they were like, there was something weird about them that caught my attention. They kept getting bigger and closer. And so that's, that's really interesting. You brought that up. Yeah. And you know, I was then, so I was explaining this story to people when I was in uh, Porto Soleil and we, I think we were down in, in town and we were having a beer somewhere or something. We're leaving and we're walking up and I'm always looking at the sky. Yeah, I was before now. I definitely am more now. And they do, they're a lot more common than you think. And I, I can't tell any the UFO would just be an unidentified flying object. You just don't know what it is. Um, could be government. That's one of the things I consider like maybe a secret program we don't know about totally possible thing is it's not something that's public knowledge and it's way weirder than we're aware of um but i see it again in in the alps and this thing's doing w weird stuff and i was like look right there i was like that's one and they're like no that's baloney and then i was like no watch it and they started watching it and then because people don't pay attention 
Then they start watching and it's going like boop, 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 boom, just moving around crazy. And they're like, what the hell is that? And then I put my phone on it. And when you, when you put your phone on it, it's able to capture the jumps better because to your eye, it kind of just looks like a little bit of a buzzing, you know, but you put your phone on it and now it's leaping, boom, 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 and moving around super weird. And then you can look at the footage after to kind of see like, okay, you know, what, what was this thing? And so, um, what an interesting experience, but mine weren't actual, uh, objects. Could you get, um, a sense of shape? Yeah. So have you seen the movie arrival? Yes. Okay. So in arrival, uh, it's, it's like a, it's a very recent, maybe three or four years, uh, there it's like a linguistic expert comes and they have this encounter and like, she tries to decipher the language of the aliens that come, but in arrival, it's a, it's a vertical, like, cone or like cylinder basically what i saw was that but on its side so it was it was more lengthwise than vertical wise but huge lengthwise i mean like we're talking you know again like dozens of 747s big this is a massive craft so i mean it, it is it was cylinder shaped and but i could distinct i could definitely see the bottom because i went right underneath it I could definitely see where it ended on the sides and I could definitely see like the top and the bottom of it, you know? So, I mean, I, I saw like the actual thing. It wasn't just the lights, like the lights were there, but the lights were minuscule compared to the size of the craft itself. Wow. Is there anything else that you noticed that would be noteworthy? Like if you're doing a police report? Um, it was just, it was such a clear night and it was just such a clear, like, like, we were just, we felt super alone, you know, like, I mean, it, I think Dan and I were both like, dude, we haven't seen a car in fucking forever. And, you know, I don't think we, like, we didn't see any deer. We didn't see, it was just like, everything was just like nothing else existed other than our little vehicle and this massive thing, but for a long time, you know? And so it, it's just really strange. I mean, it is a very, it's kind of a, a, out there spot in, 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 you know, the state, but at the same time, like to get from Richmond to Roanoke, you either take 64 or 460, like you got two, two ways to do it. And for us to not see anybody for so long is like, it's just super weird to me. Um, I, I really wish I had seen the time. Like, I really, really wish I'd seen the time because I don't know. And I've racked my brain on this. Like, I don't know why, like, let's say it's not random, right? why why me you know dan had zero extraterrestrial or anything weird in his lineage or family or whatever but i definitely had um, my my dad and granddad have a like 40 year old running bet that you know a thousand dollars if if you know my dad's gonna give my granddad a thousand dollars if something if they like find proof within his lifetime right you know and then vice versa he's got an extra grand for pot for my dad in the uh <laughs> in the will if he passes away without finding finding proof like my dad doesn't think it is my granddad does you know and so like like i don't know why me or why then or why it was directly over the road and why we had to drive directly underneath it i don't know why we didn't stop like if i were to go over again i would have turned the corner seen the thing er, slammed on the brakes and stopped right there um, you know 45 seconds to a mile out from this thing and like sat and like, okay, well, we're not leaving till it moves and, or like until someone gets beamed up or down or like whatever the fuck happened.
happens, right? But we just, we saw it, we drove straight into it, we drove straight underneath it, we drove straight away from it, and we just didn't stop. And I don't know why we didn't stop, but at the same time, you know, I'm kind of, I'm beginning more and more to believe that there are no such thing as coincidences or accidents, and that, you know, everything is perfect and unfolding as it should be. And weren't meant to see it, weren't meant to see what's inside, but definitely meant to see the thing. So I don't know what that means. Yeah. Wow, man. Well, what I've kind of noticed from, um, you know, traveling around the world, talking to a lot of different people, a lot of different things, you know, I was in Egypt with the resident science foundation and almost every single person had a UFO story. Um, you know, and when, what's that? But no shit. Really? Yeah. And so when I go around even to festivals and things like that, and you start to open up or even around like campfires and I go to like different communities or I come home, like I have friends that have a story, but they do not tell anyone the story. That seems to be the common thing because people just don't believe you. They think, you know, you don't know if you believe what you saw because 10 minutes later, you're just like, did I actually just see that thing that I can't yeah. comprehend? It's like cognitive dissonance. It just doesn't fit your um, reality and, and yeah. just shatters yeah. it. And, and so this is actually really weird that you said that because I, a buddy of mine who lived n behind the person directly across the street. So I'm looking, I'm, my house growing up, this house, he lived right there, right behind him. He, we were 13 or 14. He walked up my driveway and I was walking down the driveway to meet him and he was walking up the driveway and he just goes, <gasps> right. And he just, and does this and I turn around, there's nothing there. And he goes, you dude, you missed it. There's a fucking UFO like right there. Right. Like, over your house <laughs> and like i was like get the fuck out of here rob like that's ridiculous and he's like I, just, I saw it i saw it i saw it and i just thought he was being a dumbass and you know, <laughs> 13 or 14 years old you know but like the look of him of, like his look was legit and you know now like i haven't talked to him since you know i mean i've talked to him since i haven't talked to him about that since i would be curious to go back and ask him now like tell me one more time what you saw um, you know, because there's a, there's something there, like the theme keeps popping up, which is really interesting. Um, and it's, it's weird too, because like, I'm not, I'm not afraid of it in any way. Like, I'm not like, like at no point was I ever concerned that this would be like a hostile thing, or was I ever concerned, like I'm driving into my death or like anything like that. It was just so mind blowing what it was that my existence didn't even matter. It was just like, holy shit. Like this reality is now totally different. It's, I don't know. It's crazy. But that's really interesting that more people than we may think have had these, you know, visions or sights or encounters or so to speak. And, and, you know, either are talking about them or not talking about them. And like I said, this is the first time I've actually put on camera what this is. You know, I've told maybe 20 or 30 people in my life, you know, over the past six or seven years. And, started off a lot less than it was, you know, I mean, we, Dan and I told the story at our work Christmas party, you know, like that following, you know, year with 15 people there and Dan corroborated every single aspect of it. And he goes, yeah, it's crazy shit, you know, but I don't think he thinks about it nearly as much as I do. <laughs> but I mean, you know, like it's, it was just a wild experience, man. And, and, you know, I don't know why or what purpose it had or whether it was totally random. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, man. I don't, I definitely don't think it's random. And I think it's, um, you're lucky that you had a person there. Cause every time it happens to me and by my friggin' self and all I think is like, 
ah, I wish there was somebody with me to be looking at this thing that I don't quite understand and I just want another opinion and so I can describe what I'm looking at. I'm not, I'm not saying I know what it is. I'm saying this is what I'm seeing right now. And I think that, you know, you sharing that, I appreciate you sharing that story because, you know, like I said, when I go around campfires, travel the world, things like that, people have stories and like, I haven't told that or like I had this experience when I was 10 and I've never said anything. And because it, it basically shatters the paradigm of what people perceive of reality. And it also shatters a religious paradigm because, um, you know, that's, those are deep core beliefs around the world. And so what if, you know, that, you know, we can prove extraterrestrial existence, it's going to change everything on the planet, every single structure we have, um, and like that. And now I'm noticing because I'm, you know, I've been to contact in the desert. Um, I have a lot of people on the podcast that have some sort of experience with them. Um, the most, for me so far, the most credible information I've received is from uh, the Native American elders, uh, David Lombear Senapas, Clifford Mahuti, uh, who's a Zuni, uh, David's a Mi'kmaq, and um, the Mayan elder Carlos Barrios. And to them, it's all normal stuff in their history. It's not like a, a special thing. It's like you know that sheep exist or you are aware that the ocean is over here. It's just like, yeah, there's ocean. And then you know, we call those dolphins. You've never seen one before. You know, it's just like obviously they exist. It's not special at all to them. And right. so it is a curious thing. And that's where you kind of start to go down the rabbit hole of like, all right, so what is the meaning? Are they here? Have they always been here? And, and, um, and then you, right now, I think we have a lot of industry around. Um, and this is what the elders always told me. They're like, uh, your, your UFOs and, and aliens and stuff like that has become an industry. And he's like, Clifford and David, watching those two talk behind the scenes was the gnarliest conversation I've ever experienced in my life. They knew exactly when people would, they call it adding on, you know, yeah, this was correct. But then they added on like saying theory is fact. You know what I mean? It's just like they found this, but that didn't mean that. And then they went nuts with it because they want to keep perpetuating the story. They want to be in the news and writing the books and all these different things. Um, and then it's just a fascinating one, man, because I think that I don't even know if the consciousness of humanity can handle that, right? Like you're, a, you're an open-minded guy. And even the way that you shared is just like, it's a bit reserved because it's like a lot for you to take in. So what about somebody who is not ready for that kind of thing? You know, right. and most of humanity, how are they going to receive that? They're, you know, and, and you tell your friends who are your friends and they don't believe you. Like, right. Bro. And then you have someone there who corroborates and they still are like, well, I don't know. I'm like we were both there. Both this is what we saw. It's not. It's not like we're not making this up, right. you know. For shits and giggles, I know this makes us look a little bit crazy. So it's not like we're just making this shit up and talking about it. I mean, you know, I, I think the religion aspect of that is is really interesting as well because you know if think about two thousand five thousand years ago when you know we don't have all this amazing technology around us and something shows up with amazing technology, well, that's going to be it's going to be a god going to be a god you know it's going to be part of the creator we you've lived your whole life thinking like oh, i wonder where stars come from and i wonder what's up there and then something comes from up there and is you know it's a in sanskrit they have a or uh, in the sanskrit um you know kind of uh writings they've got floating butterflies or flying butterflies or like you know um metal birds you know like flying around i mean there's there's depictions of this and kind of descriptions of of things that are not human in all of the major religions and in many ways the things that tie all those together is is you know they're 
connected in many parts of the world that they wouldn't otherwise be connected in. And they're describing similar, similar traits to things. You know, I mean, it's Jesus ascended into heaven. I mean, like, how do you ascend into heaven? <laughs> I mean, you know, like you can either be magic and God, or you can have technology that's frankly, you know, maybe a hundred years or a thousand years or 10,000 years or maybe a million years ahead of us. But time is so relative. I mean, dude, you know, 150 years ago, here's a great quote. This is where I, I really love heading with this type of thing is there's a quote by St. Augustine that says, miracles do not happen in opposition to nature. Miracles happen in opposition to what we know about. And so 150 years ago, if you're sick, that would be fucking stupid. Like, get out of here, man. Like, blood let me and let me get better. You know, like, give me the shot of whiskey, I'll be fine. Like, but no, we have germs and we have viruses and we have bacteria. And like, those are the things that we can't see that make us sick. And now we know that, right? Um, there's just a bunch of crazy shit we don't know. And technology, the way that it advances, if, if a civilization is, you know, 100 years ahead, this is a supercomputer that we've had for 10, you know? I mean, we've had computers in general for 50. Like, advance that out by 100 years or 1,000 years or a million years, and now there's going to be some crazy shit we can't even comprehend. And it's, it's, you know, that makes sense to me, I guess. You know, like, not everything is going to be on the same timeline. And there, you know, I took an astronomy class in both high school and college, and, like, it's now researchers and, and you know, astronomers are saying, you know, even NASA is saying like, yeah, there's life. We just don't know where it is. We don't know what form it takes, but it's just, it's mathematically impossible for there to not be other things out there that are living in the universe. And so now it's just a matter of like, are they intelligent and have they found us and how do we find them? You know? So it's just a really interesting conversation, but you're right. I think that it, it opens up the mind of people and most people aren't ready for it because most people, like you said in the very beginning of your, of your you know, podcast, I think we were actually off the air at this point, but you were saying that, you know, I've got to focus on just my little, my little world now, you know, and you focusing on your little world, you don't have to go change the world. You just got to focus on, on you and your family. And I think with people, people, you know, if extraterrestrials show up, now they got to focus on everything else and it kind of takes the focus away from their little family and that would be a very mind-blowing experience for billions and billions of people yeah man totally there's a lot there and i like the quote you brought up because it makes me think about uh the arthur c clark quote and it says that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic and in star trek they talk about you know if they came they would they you know and the their technology was so advanced they're going to perceive us as gods we can't interfere with that because it's going to mess up their own natural progression and it's such an important thing and i've had uh um oh shoot i'm forgetting his name right now but uh i had my buddy on the podcast and he i'm gonna i gotta pull it up because i need to find it sorry brother i'm dropping your name but he, he has a hundred thousand bible hours and um just absolutely unbelievably knowledgeable he's he's um uh, Jeffrey Darty, and uh, he's he's translating the Bible from Greek, 
And he used to be an evangelist. And he's like, man, all the Bible is, is UFO stories. He's like, you're either going to read it as some sort of magical God experience, or if you look at it, it makes sense. It's a technology, like a light uh, is like, you just look at the description and you can see like, it's, it's a UFO story. It makes sense. And how would you even describe that back then? If you don't have airplanes, if you don't have anything, what the heck would you see and understand? And how would you interpret that? How would you write about that? Um, and so star of Galilee, you know, or whatever, you know, it's, it's these shepherds follow the star and it's planted right over the top of, you know, Jesus's cradle, you know, in, in Bethlehem. And I mean, like, yeah, exactly. A real celestial star. Maybe it's something else. I don't know. It's crazy shit to think about. Yeah, man. And like my experiences, they look like stars every time. But I was like, that's not a star. And it was like 50 feet above my head the one time. And I was like, and I got to look at it for 40 minutes by myself and it's on film. It looks like crap because my camera at night, but I'm looking at it and I was like, this is wild. Like, I don't know what I'm looking at, but it wasn't a physical object. And it kind of looked, it would morph between like, it looked like the Freemason triangle with weight, like really thin lines coming out sometimes. And then sometimes it would morph into like the Star Trek badge. You know, kind of like morph between those two things. So close to my face, man. And I thought I was going for a ride. So, um, you know, who knows Who knows what's going on? But I think that maybe the idea is to open up to a new understanding. Because if, if we, how, you know, when I talk to David about this kind of stuff, he's just like, you know, he's like, yeah, they exist and they're here. That's what he says. And he's just like, but they're not going to, like, they're trying to help. But the thing is, you keep killing each other. You don't have peace here. It's like the next big evolution for you guys is peace. He said, why would they come down? He's like, you're, like, look at your society. You know, what do you do to each other? What would you do to another species? You know what I mean? Maybe they don't think like you. Maybe they don't act like you or, or all these different things. But if you can't get along with each other, what are you going to do um, with them? And, and so it's just a whole massive rabbit hole that's interesting. But you can look it up. Like, you know, it's going to take you some time and research. But, um, you know, there's presidents that talk about it. There's, you know, you go to any ancient history and you can start to look at, you know, what was being said in Egypt and the Dogon tribe and the Mayans and, you know, all these ancient cultures that are 20,000 years or more, it's there. Um, right. But, but what does it mean? And what we don't know, but it does open up to uh, just, just a, a bigger thought process. You know what I mean? Living in harmony with yourself, within nature and within the universe. And I think that that's a wonderful thing. So I have no idea what any of it means, but I appreciate you sharing that story. If you find out, let me know, bro. I'll send you a text. <laughs> Dude, I figured it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, well, man, this has been a, a pleasure. I appreciate everything that you shared. A lot of really great information, very well-rounded episode. Um, is there anything that you wish that we had touched on or anything you want to leave the listeners with? Um, that's it, man. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm stoked to have you on our show as well. You know, this is a, uh, you're a really, really interesting guy. I'm excited to hear your story on, on a couple of these things. Um, but I, I just really appreciate you having me on, man. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, uh, keep up the great work. We'll be, we'll be, uh, staying in contact and, uh, appreciate, appreciate everybody for watching. After that ground on y'all. Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, the incredible David Robinson. What an amazing podcast and what an absolutely mind-blowing story at the end. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I hope that you found it valuable. If you did, please take screenshots, share on Instagram, let your friends know you're listening, leave a review in iTunes, toss a buck in the bucket 
on Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair. It helps immensely. For those of you guys who are interested in some training, some speaking, some one-on-one, um, anything of that nature, hit me up at Matt at zenathlete.com and uh, happy to work with you, your organization, and your team. We can span the spectrum of consciousness, flow state, peak performance, sales, marketing, vision, turning your passion into a reality, defining a life statement. So even if you have no idea where to start, literally from A to Z, anywhere in the process, happy to help you out and to uh, just help you get aligned so you're excited to wake up, you're enthusiastic about being alive, you feel great. Um, And that's all the stuff that we cover, again, for your group, for your organization, for any of that. Just hit me up, matt at zenathlete.com or go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching and fill out the form. Um, Thank you to all my supporters on Patreon. Thanks for all of you who've been sharing. I really do appreciate that. Been working hard over here in Canada, bringing you some incredible guests. So we have some amazing episodes coming down the pipe. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Let's just come to a state of peace and coherence before we close it out. So wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Taking a deep breath in through your nose. Connecting to your breath, connecting to the present moment. And just letting that breath out slowly and just filling every cell, every muscle, and every fiber of your being with energy, with empowerment, with peace, with positivity, ready to take on the rest of the day. So I will see you in the next episode. Have an incredible day.